Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Good afternoon and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. My name is Michael Rice. And it's an honor to have you here with us today. I'm not sure whether uh, Dr. Tim is uh, doing the um, control panel today or Michelle is, but uh, there may be having I'm some here. technical difficulties. Oh, hey there, young man. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I started the intro, but Blog Talk knocked me off, so I had to dial back in. So this is Monday, here. October 19th, 2015, and um, take it away, Michael. All right. Well, we're on it. Uh, sitting in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, absolutely beautiful, sunny day. I don't know. It's probably, oh, maybe 70 degrees, sunshine, absolutely gorgeous. And we're honored that each of you is here to be part of this process of understanding and bringing forward the first century understanding of forgiveness to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. It's an to be in and uh, a privilege and an honor to get to uh, to do this work with each of you. And, of course, the project is that of learning to live as true human beings, to live as an actual human being, functioning out of energy that we were originally designed to function out of, which is that of love. Well, the newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. We're here to support you living in that space. And when we choose to do that, all of a sudden, we get to play a whole different game. Now, we live in a uh, a society that specializes in keeping us in prisons. Now, I'm not talking about the places with bars, although we'll, this country puts more people in prison than any country in the world. Uh, speaking of violation of human rights, uh, more people than anywhere in the world. But the prison I'm talking about is the prison of the mind, the prison of, prison of beliefs that keeps us out of functioning as we're designed to function. If you hold a newborn child, then you get to experience directly that awesome active presence of love. And you'll notice if you've ever held a newborn, you know, if I, if I ask the second question that we normally ask in our Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop, how many have ever done something they regret? The mind would start to click and people would roll back through their experiences of doing regrets. But when it comes to holding a newborn, you'll notice it's not a mental process. 
you go to that experience and you are able to re-experience the direct presence of that awesome love that each of us is designed to function out of. So we're here to support you in living out of that space and breaking down the prisons that we've been put in or that we've put ourselves in. In many cases, the prison walls were constructed before we had the awareness to refuse their construction. For instance, the messages of worthlessness and sinnership and negativity that are given to us about ourselves become a prison that many people live in. I talked to someone the other day who just had nothing but derogatory things to say about themselves. I'm stupid, I'm no good, I'm useless, I'll never be any good. And when we began to process around their power person, their, their issue around their power person was that of their power person never appreciating them and, uh, and telling them how lousy a person they were. And their power person had been dead for a couple of decades, and yet they were delivering the messages that their power person started them out with. And they lived in this prison that held the truth of who they are as human beings, as this awesome presence of love, out of their own awareness. Our task is to understand first century Aramaic forgiveness, which is the how-to of removing the hostility and fear towards self and being restored to the active presence of love. There are many other prisons that we get locked away in. We get locked away in the belief in the material world and we think the physical is the end-all and the be-all and we forget to experience ourselves as we are. And that, again, becomes a prison. We get locked in the prison of thinking that certain things will carry us forward in life and make us happy, the prison of the belief in money, the material gods, when in fact the material world is such a small fragment of, of what we are potentially made of and able to experience ourselves as, just the very tiniest fraction of the actuality of life. And yet we get lost in that prison believing in what our senses tell us as being the truth. And when we're locked away in that, without the tool of forgiveness to knock those walls down and return us to the truth of who we are, we tend to get stuck in a place that is simply not accurate. And that becomes the prison. You know, we refer often to Einstein where he says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. And I put a post on Facebook this morning that kind of ties in with this whole idea of all the beliefs we hold that lock us into ways of viewing the world and ways of behaving. And just kind of tap into this and see how much of the actual world we're designed to live in you've been privy to. So here are some Science facts. You can see less than 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum and hear less than 1% of the acoustic spectrum. As you read this, you're traveling at 220 kilometers. 90% of the cells in your body carry their own microbial DNA and are not you. 
the atoms in your body are 99.9999999999, I don't mean to sound German, 9999999, the space. I don't know who calculated it out to that many decimal points. And none of them, none of the cells that you have today are the ones you were born with. And each of those cells originated in the belly of a star. Human beings have 46 chromosomes, two less than the common potato. The existence of a rainbow depends on the conical photoreceptors in your eyes. Animals without cones do not see rainbows. So you don't just look at a rainbow, and this is true with all perception, you create it. You don't just look at a rainbow, you create it. You don't just look at your child, you create the child every time you look at them. And you recreate them in your mind out of the content of your mind. You don't see your spouse. You create an image out of the content of your mind of your spouse. You don't see yourself in the mirror. You see a, a construct of your mind that reflects the content of your mind about you. And we say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and yet we see someone that when we first meet them, we would consider perhaps ugly or not attractive. And over time, as we get to experience the being that they are, we say, you are so beautiful. What happened to that perception? Perception is as changeable as a piece of clay. You can take a piece of clay and mold it into an image of a monster. You can mold it into an image of beauty. The clay doesn't care. Mind can be molded in precisely the same way. And if we've been filled with content based in hostility or fear, we become imprisoned by the pictures we construct, and we generally construct those pictures of other people as though they're the problem in our lives. So what we're looking to do is to correct that situation and free everyone from their prison. Restore each and every person to the truth of who they are and experiencing themselves out of the faculties of being rather than the material senses that think they've got everything figured out. You know, science has its God, and its God is materialism. And yet, it by its own standard acknowledges that it, it experiences less than 1% of what's actually there. And it turns its hostility and rage on people who disagree with it, or it derides and chides them for their beliefs. Interesting process. And the last analysis, the bottom line is, you're made of this stuff called love. You're here to experience yourself, and everyone in your life has love. And when you can give people that gift, you can take the most traumatized, most traumatizing the most insane person on the planet and bring the experience of their being, support them in the experience of their being back into their physiology fully so that that frequency takes over their physiology, their minds, their emotions, their chemistry, and transform them on the spot. That's the power of a true human life, and that's what we're here to support. And so we appreciate your choice to be with us, to share this space. And Dr. Tim, what's exciting in your world today? Well, I am uh, 
just congratulating somebody in the chat room um, for having made a life decision. And um, part of my weekend included listening to um, the show from last Wednesday, the 14th, which which had a very... um, I think a very interesting exchange got triggered, and it was quite, um, I learned something, several things, listening to me, kind of integrating what I've been learning from you and Guy Finley and Way of Mastery and Course in Miracles and at a new level, so... um, so I, I just I have to recommend uh, that people go back and listen to that show Wednesday, October fourteenth, and uh, there was an exchange uh, um, relative to the idea of seeing um, seeing other people as being role models and things like that. And um, actually, there were there were several parts of the show I hadn't re- I hadn't remembered some of them, but. I think it was a pretty good show from start to finish, and um, so that's that's one thing that's been on my mind. And I've l- listened to the show a few times and learned some more. And then we've had um, somebody this morning in the chat room who was saying that your intro was right on because she's been feeling imprisoned and realized this weekend that she did it to herself, and so. Um, with that realization, she's decided to take some steps to end the the imprisonment. So I just send her a congratulations. And um, I'm going to ask for permission to share who it is. One of my favorite anacronyms is SIN, self-imposed nonsense. And yet, once our power person does it, and we buy in and don't know any better people until they have the tool to go in and remove that and wake up to what they're doing to themselves, it just, you know, the beat goes on. And, and of course, everybody else is to blame. But cracking that uh, that prison cell in the mind opens the space for total release. So do we have permission to, to uh, talk about who it is and have any input from them? Well, we're uh, <laughs> we're holding off on that because of um, it's kind of like you know you want to tell your friends and family first before you announce to the world that you're pregnant. I know you've been through that several times, Michael. So <laughs> so this person would prefer to actually. I've never been pregnant. I, I I actually have never been pregnant, so I haven't had that uh, that pleasure yet. I say yet because who knows, you know, it can always happen. And I'll Never. just keep trying. I'll just keep trying. Not a problem. So um, I, I watched the, the the TED Talk you talked about, uh, you had posted on Facebook about the 10 dogmatic presumptions in science and how they are 
probably most definitely wrong. And yet, all of our science is based upon them. And so, as anybody who's looked at logic or the building of a building understands, if you start with a faulty foundation, everything else is worthless. So, that was an interesting uh, view. And it's interesting how the so-called scientific world is trying to just rip Sheldrake apart. This is a, a video, a TED Talk done by uh, Rupert Sheldrake. If you, uh, you Google that, and just Google Rupert Sheldrake, TED, the stakes of science, you'll come up with that video. And uh, it's powerful, but boy, there are people in the science world that are just trying to tear him to pieces. And yet he's pretty impeccably credentialed and comes forward with some pretty powerful stuff. He, uh, he definitely confronts the dogma. Well, and uh, what, what's funny is that, you know, you, you mentioned that he's impeccably credentialed. And, and w- w- my, my point is that nothing could be more irrelevant because he's True. trying to go up against all of these other people who are impeccably credentialed, but they're all buying into uh, a structure of false assumptions and they're not willing to question at a basic level, anything about the work they're doing. And if I go into a situation, you know, my, my favorite way of saying it is, if I go into a situation knowing that I know what I know and how I know it, I'm going to leave knowing what I knew. There's no possibility for learning in that situation. And as right. you know, Sheldrake points out in his lecture, the whole purpose of science is to question things and to explore. And yet what's happened in the scientific establishment is pretty much the opposite of that. And so there is no more questioning. There is just get on board with the traditional system and get your tenure and and get your place in the institution so you can make your money. Say again? Get your place in the bread line. Yeah, yeah. So you can make your money and get your recognition and buy into the system that really is pretty much just perpetuating old lies, old dogmas. Well, it's really, it's very much another dogmatic religious system. Its religion is just materialism. And I, I love the conversation he has, the, the instance where he points out the the scientific organization that measures constants, and he approaches the uh, the head of that organization, and the head of the organization basically says, well, you know, it must have been wrong, so we just adjusted our instruments so that the change in that constant, which he's talking about the speed of light, which supposedly is forever and has been forever 186,000 miles per second and yet that so-called constant is not constant at all it's, it changes but, but those who measure it and call it a constant 
use instruments now. They've, they've set the instruments up to adjust for the constant so that it always looks like it's the same. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so bizarre and amazing. And it's, it's just what the non-human mind does in order to try to stick to its, its need to be right instead of love truth enough to love what is right rather than be right. You know, it's a huge difference between wanting to be right and loving what is right. And, of course, if one's paycheck depends on it, that really makes a difference. Well, and, you know, it it goes further than that, as you know. I mean, it's always uh, fascinating to me at how many different levels and layers there is rallying the troops to support the the common party line. But it isn't just the speed of light that they're having change. It's gravity. And their measurements of gravity that are continually changing. And so, you know, they've rather than look at the differences that they're finding, they decided to just give it a name and say, well, we're we're doing this adjustment I forget the name, but they just gave it a name for fudging. You right. Know, instead of calling it fudging, yeah, which is what it is. Right. And he said, yeah, no, we don't the like word the word fudging, so we, 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 we created another name. And the other name is fancy sounding, but the point is it just means they're fudging the numbers. They're just rearranging them to make them look like what they want them to look like. So that's our hard so science at could, work. Yeah, I guess we could conclude that the one constant in the human universe, that of the non-being mind, is blockage of truth. We could say that's pretty much a constant. Well, I would, I'd have to go ahead and say it's at least as much a constant as all the other constants they say are not changing, but always are. <laughs> interesting well let's uh, do we have anything happening in the chat room to be aware of or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue we don't have we have plenty of time so it's the, the number is 646-200-4169 and if you will press one it'll let me know you've got a question or a comment and uh, the chat room is fairly quiet and we have all kinds of um, time to answer your questions or ask your parade your testimonials of how well the work is working for you um, we had a caller on on Wednesday who asked some good questions about the worksheet process and we got to flesh that out a little bit more and talk about the importance of lining up all of the content in each of the steps so that the theme of the worksheet stays steady and that the conscious mind doesn't distract me from the purpose that that I, or, you know, the content that got triggered that made me pick up the worksheet in the first place. So um, the last 15 minutes of the show was uh, simply answering questions about two or three steps on the worksheet process. Well, 
I'll uh, I'll invite everybody to uh, hold travel blessings for Stuart. Stuart, who's been at Heartland for the last month or so, and basically led the team that has repainted all the buildings on the property. If you haven't looked at them, you might want to go to my Facebook page. If you haven't friended me yet, friend me on Facebook. It's J-M underscore R-Y-C-E. You'll see a picture of Jeannie and I there. And we've got pictures of all the buildings, and it's really looking awesome. So Stuart's going to be heading out tomorrow to Mexico, so let's just hold a space of... Uh, of love and support and travel blessings for him and appreciation for his contribution at Hartley. Scott, who was a part of that process, is still there. He's going to be in the extended support team program at Heartland, so that's pretty cool. We have, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> I just took a sip of water and went down the wrong road. We have a young lady named Melissa into a five on the 1st of November and, and spend a month there. She's actually a woofer and is our uh, world-traveling organic group, uh, organic farmer. And so Melissa's going to come spend a month at Heartland, learn the tools. Got all kinds of neat skills tied to work, social media and building skills. Her father had uh, maybe get her on the show when he arrives, but... Uh, her, uh, when she was a child, her uh, childhood home with her father was a man, or, or pardon me, her grandfather was a master builder. So he led the family in building them. So she just apparently uh, amazing building skills and such. So we're going to enjoy having Lisa there at Heartland, there for at least a month, and we'll see what happens. She actually uh, has a company that and she's taking this. Is um, exposing the game of fracking in the world and what it's doing to the water supply and to the uh, the country and how you know, Georgia is oil burn people before they let off, left office <clears throat> just passed all kinds of so-called laws that allow some of the most insane things to happen right next door to people's homes. <laughs> This is crazy stuff if you haven't looked into that one. But anyway, Melissa's going to be joining us, so we'll see some dreams for her as she heads to Heartland and comes to join us. And Jim, we might want to hold a space for Jim today. Uh, I don't know. Let, is is Jim happen to be out there? If he is, maybe Jim would put up his hand. And, uh... Are you with us, Jim? Well, you have, you have quite a bit of uh, road noise, Michael. Are you driving? No, no, but I actually it was getting warm in the car, so I opened my windows, and uh, so the uh, I guess I'm getting more noise than I realized. So I'll close the windows back up. It's getting a little warm in here, so we'll see if that's any better. Is that better? That is much, much better. Okay. Has so, Jim put up his so, hand by chance? No. So you're asking that if Jim is out there, he just presses one and. We have a number of callers on the uh, switchboard. If any of you press one, that will let you let let you be first in line to ask a question or make a comment. Um, is Jeannie finished with her presentations at the seminar? 
She completed, yes. It was uh, pretty sweet. Every time I talked to her, she was just sailing through the roof, and it was kind of interesting. Saturday morning, she had her final presentation, and uh, she had planned it, had it all laid out, had her notes all ready, and uh, woke up Saturday morning with Ruka giving her a totally, completely different presentation. And if you know Jeannie and how she presents, it's like she's got to have it all set up. And so she's like, what are you doing to me? And uh, then took it, and apparently it was just awesome. So that was that was pretty sweet. And, and watching her open to a whole other level of intuition and guidance was just wonderful. And uh, so I'm sure she'll share more with us as, uh, as she... Uh, <coughs> Grandchildren. Staying with her former husband's former wife, who takes care of the children. So she's up hanging out with them, getting a little bit of playtime in today, and uh, flies back in tomorrow to uh, to Springfield. So I'm in St. Louis. I'll be heading down to Springfield to pick her up tomorrow and, and head home. But in the meantime, if Jim hasn't put his hand up, I'll just <clears throat> ask that everybody hold the space for Jim. He's heading to the dentist this afternoon to have some teeth removed, and uh, now it sounds like a pretty heavy ordeal. So if everybody could just send a little love uh, to Jim and his dentist, that his dentist's hands and heart and mind are guided and that the process is easy and his recovery is quick and, and simple and moves forward. All right. We'll hold the space. Yeah. Love and support. Same across a... Go go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. I was just going to give the number again. Come across. Peg, you're it. (laughs) There's a little bit of a delay here. I was just going to share another uh, quote. A quote when I was doing some research for this post that I did on Facebook from Einstein, and he says, "A foolish faith in authority is the worst enemy of truth." And you know, just tying back into our conversation earlier about the uh, the religion of science and materialism and and all of that, and uh, to uh, <clears throat> accept any authority other than your own direct experience is a pretty silly thing to do. We can certainly accept support and uh, and uh, teaching, but uh, the ultimate goal, at least of this work, is to connect each person back into the truth of who they are, so that they are functioning out of their direct guidance. Powerful place to live. Yeah, that was so part of our um, call-in number. That was part of the uh, the experience I was having on Wednesday was to say that the whole point of this work is to remove everything that's less than love from my system, so that it is easier for me to have direct conscious awareness of my true nature and that energy of my true nature and the source it's connected to gives me all of these fabulous qualities and insights and intuitions. And the more I do the work, the easier it is for me to be consciously aware of the source of all of these great revelations 
and of course the kind loving actions that that I, I value so much and I value when I see them in others etc absolutely and so the more I can remove 4169 there you go press 1 press 1 and we'll uh We've got uh, close to 30 minutes left to answer your questions or entertain your comments. And again, if you haven't had access to the tool, it's available at www.whyagain.org. You can click on the link in the front page with the red and white bullseye. It'll take you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Rice's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? It will give you the access to the latest version of the seven-step worksheet process, which is called the Reality Management Worksheet Process, which is the core of this work. And it'll give you links to 16 different files, audio files of shows just like this one, where Michael or someone else has stepped somebody through the work, and has the material there for you to become very well acquainted with the tool and the process and eventually master it if you apply yourself. So press 1 and you'll be the first in queue. And while we're waiting for that, Michael, what's on your mind? Well, another uh, idea that I came across from Einstein, he says... Concepts. I want using the straw or mute the straw. Concepts that have proven useful in ordering things easily achieve such authority over us that we forget their earthly origins and accept them as unalterable givens. Thus, they might come to be stamped as necessities of thought or a priori givens. The path of scientific progress is often made impassable for a long time by such errors. And when you look at that, you can see that's for humanity for so many thousands of years in the religious world. The same thing has happened. Somebody came up with the dogma, people accepted the dogma and went, oh, well, that must be true. And seeing as how it must be true, then we must discover it and all of a sudden, blocks of truth step right in the, the middle of the game. And the mind lost in a world based on false premises. And there's so many false premises. And what we're looking to do with this work is, first of all, don't believe a word we're saying. We'll offer you tools. We'll invite you to try the tools and see how they work. It's not going to, you know, I offer a, an idea that, uh, you know, the world is not made of matter, but is made of energy, and I don't think that you should believe that at all. If you'll take the tool of forgiveness, there'll come a point in your process where you'll experience that directly. And so the whole idea is, rather than accepting dogmas or what have you, is find yourself a set of tools. You know, if you find yourself being hostile with the people around you, find a tool which is meant to dismantle your hostility and watch how the world changes. And, of course, the main tool for doing that is called forgiveness. 
if you do go to our website, it's www.whyagain.org. And if you scroll down a little bit in the middle of the page, you'll see a bullseye, and that bullseye will open a whole series of links on how to engage in the process of forgiveness, how to remove the prison from your mind. Now, you'll notice that those who forgot that forgiveness was about removal of content from the mind, turn forgiveness into the tool with which you let other people off the hook for what's happening inside of you. And so we have literally a whole world of people running around. I forgave them. I forgave them. I forgive you. I forgive, forgive myself. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And a whole game is just bizarre and insane. But people have made up. That's become the, as Einstein said, the a priori. You know, you got to believe it. People have made up all kinds of stories about how wondrous and wonderful that is. And that doesn't mean that you can't produce some wonderful results by letting somebody else off the hook because here's what happens. Here's the principle behind uh, Greek pardoning, letting somebody off the hook, which sadly is passed off forgiveness today. The benefit side is that if I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, I can, in my mind, connect the link where I've got you linked with my pain, and therefore I can have a cleaner relationship with you. But unless I do the next step of going inside and removing my pain, sooner or later I'm going to have to find somebody else or come back to you and once again hook you or someone else up to my, my, my internalized dissociated pain, and once again I'll find somebody else to quote-unquote forgive. We invite you it's work to never, ever, ever even entertaining forgiving anyone or yourself ever again. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't do it. If you want to pardon somebody, call it what it is. I let you off the hook. I pardon you. And then if you're in take the tool of forgiveness, go inside yourself, and remove the root of your pain. That's the whole bottom line of the work. That's what we're here to support. And, and we so, have a hand up. If you have a question. Oh, great. Let's go for it. Area code 828. You're in the air. Hi there. This is Magda. I'm over here close to Heartland in Missouri. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> and yours as well. So I want to I want to do a little testimony, and then I need to get off the phone and just listen because I'm working. Um uh, so yesterday, uh, Scott came over and power walled our house so I could paint today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Anyway, um, I I really went through quite a process with with that because um, when you sent the email, whatever it was, Friday I think perhaps um, that uh, you would prefer that he stayed focused on his work and rest on the weekend and so forth. My immediate reaction to that, your statement, was huge rage. I was just in big outrage. My, you know, brought up all of my rage. Good. And, yeah. awesome. <laughs> and my initial... really helpful. I, thank you for being helpful. I was initially thinking, oh, my goodness, the level at which I am feeling this rage toward Michael is so intense and big 
that it's going to take four or five or six worksheets to get through this so that I can get back to love. And so <clears throat> I started making dinner, and I thought, no, 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 I don't want to put this rage into the food we're going to eat. So I just stopped that, got a worksheet, sat down, and did it. And once again, I was totally amazed at the power of this tool because by the end of it, I was at complete peace. I was feeling happy and accepting of whatever what whatever was, um, and uh, and the message I got. Um, well, what I do with with that step where we do the um, the canceling of the goal, <clears throat> the initial goal that was the uh, trigger for the upset. Uh, after that, when we implore Ruka to help us return to love and all of that, the last thing I do is close my eyes and sit still and say, Ruka, what do I need to know about this situation? And what I got back was, there's another way to do it. <laughs> Don't worry. You know, so I went, okay. And, and it just um, completely brought me to a place of inner peace. So my testimony is about um, this incredible tool, the the forgiveness wake wake up wake up uh, worksheet, and um, and how powerful it is. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is that when I I was clear enough to send back the um, the message to you, the text message that I did, I had completely just let go of any attachment to any kind of outcome and was then rather surprised and pleased by your response. Uh, so it, what that showed me, the second part of my testimony, is that once I was able to release my hostile energy and get back to the space of love, that allowed all of the energy to move between us that needed to, to uh, have a a very good ending of the whole process. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Awesome. Did you, um, when you did the the core of the worksheet process, did you get any memory or touch into the origin of such an intense rage? I really did not. No. Hmm. Um, this is all anyway. Okay, cool. Now that you're asking, though, I can easily put my finger on it, which is, uh, it's one of the old, look what I've done for you things, you know. Uh, um, that's all I've done for you, and then you say this, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and so that's, that's, yeah, that's certainly come up a time or two in my life. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. That was a good question. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So um, anyway, I, I do need to get back outside. The weather here is lovely today. It's great painting weather. So if there isn't anything else, I'll awesome. just pop off. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll look forward to seeing you when we get back. Very good. And is that Wednesday? I've heard yes, we'll be back days. on Wednesday. Oh, so you'll miss the Jeannie, last one. Jeannie flies in. 
Yeah, Jeannie flies in late on Tuesday night, like 11 o'clock at night. And so I'll be picking her up oh, and we'll spend the night in Springfield, and then we'll do some errands and head back to Heartland. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go on with the support group, and uh, and you wish and, and see both of you in total um, and perfect um, protection as you travel, as well as Jim as he's going through his process today. Okay, well, um, blessings to all of you, uh, Dr. Kim and everybody else, and Michael, and I'll listen now. And thanks again for the work. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Bye bye. I love it. But it's interesting that, uh, you know, you'd, you'd almost think that the purpose of the world. It teaches forgiveness, that it gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity in the most innocuous settings to open that space for whatever is hidden to surface and to remove what never belonged. And so when we treat every situation that we can't stand in the space of love as, when we can't stay connected to love, when we treat that as an opportunity to say, oh, my mind is out putting something other than love here. This is my prison. I'm ready to break down these prison walls, and that's where the forgiveness tool comes in. And so that's what um, Magda was talking about as the power of the tool. When you put the pen to the worksheet, it, uh, it, you, you wake up... I, I, I love again, and you know we'll, we'll keep saying it over and over again. The uh, the quote that comes from Carl Jung, who says, "He who looks without dreams," and our mind is always constructing realities of what we think are things that are out there. And the truth is, everything that we see in our mind is a construct of our mind. And when we're looking at that, we're in a dream, and it's always a replicate dream of something from our past. And then he says, who looks within awakens. And when we drop it, and there's no more powerful tool on the planet that I know of for dropping into the hidden parts of the mind than the first century Aramaic forgiveness process. It is a powerful yet totally counterintuitive tool because the essence of forgiveness, if you haven't engaged in it yet, let me tell you how silly this thing is. I mean, it's absolutely stupid. When you think about it, it says in a situation, let's take the one that Magda just uh, shared with us, you know, well, I just want this person to come and power wash my house. So that's a goal. That goal drives behavior. When something comes along that interrupts that goal, then the interruption of that goal drives parts of the mind that in this case were filled with hostility. And so the mind comes up with content, and of course, and, and I loved Magda how responsibly you language that, pointing the ability at me, but knowing that it's the content of my own mind. And a perfectly wonderful goal, if you load it in your mind and it drives your mind to use some form of hostility or fear in building your perception, you're in trouble. So you take a perfectly wonderful goal like, I want to have my house power washed, reasonable, weak goal, and you cancel it. And Aramaic 
word for give is shebag or shabak, and it literally means to cancel. So when I cancel that goal, what happens is a perceptual rage driven by that goal and its object of attention, that whole dream, that whole hallucination, collapses. When it collapses, I can then visit the part of my mind that held that rage with the active presence of love in hand. And when I do, that part of my mind with rage, pain, fear, sadness, guilt, grief, whatever it is, visited by love, heals, and I get to get free of what's going on inside of me. So just start to look at it. If you've never accessed the tool, the worksheet on the website, the, the wake-up sheet, you know, if you want to wake up from your dreams, the hostility and guilt and pain and drama and trauma, if you want to wake up from those, every time you're in one of those dreams, look at your goal and cancel it. And when you cancel it, what will happen is your dream will collapse and you get to drop inside. Who looks within awakens. I mean, what a genius piece of information, those two simple sentences from from uh, Carl Jung. Just amazing. And, of course, it seems ridiculous because it's a perfectly good goal. <clears throat> you can have the most wondrous, wonderful goal on the planet. And if holding goal drives your mind to perceptual hostility or fear, you want to do the seemingly foolish thing of canceling that goal so that you can collapse into the root of the hostility and fear and learn to heal it. And that's the essence of the healing process. When we engage in that form of healing, what happens is we remove from our cellular structure the so-called chemistry of hostility and fear. And when you remove hostility or fear, your perception improves and you awaken. It's just the most amazing, awesome, sweetest thing you'll ever find. Now, at first, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Why would I cancel this goal? I got this person being so angry with me, and I want them to love me. So I cancel my goal for them to love me. Now, how stupid is that? Why would I cancel my goal for somebody to love me? Because if when I load that goal in my mind, I go into some form of hostility or fear, that means that my file of being loved is filled with some form of hostility or fear. I get to it by canceling the goal and dropping in there and healing. Now, it took me 30 years to learn that that was the dynamic behind the forgiveness process. And up until just the last, you know, five, six, seven years, I couldn't explain to people what really happened or why you would cancel the goal. I couldn't work, so I would encourage people to do it. Well, now that we understand what really goes on, it makes the whole process so much easier. So the driver for perception is goal. If your perception is filled with darkness, that is any form of hostility or fear, you want to collapse it. You collapse it by removing the driver, by canceling the goal. And that's the essence of the whole process of forgiveness. All right, so Michael? Of course, I can Yes, sir. We have a question in the chat room that's asking, can Michael speak on canceling goals? This is before you started your current topic. How do I cancel <laughs> oh, goals I which are How do I cancel goals which are in conflict? So I asked, can you say more about this? And the person said, "Well, I have the goal of being a master teacher." In, you know, not in the sense that we're all teachers, but a teacher in an institution. 
but now I've brought forward the goal to make my living in writing. So how do I go about continuously canceling the teacher goal? Does this make sense, or am I being too cerebral about it? No, I think that you're being right on track, and probably there are a whole series of collateral goals, and I suspect that I know who the question is coming from, from some previous process and and conversation. And so there are probably many goals that tie in. It's probably not just the goal of teaching that needs to be canceled. There are probably several related goals, like, for instance, maybe by being a professor in a university, my family is going to honor me more or that will make me valuable. So if that's true, then I'd be wanting to cancel my need to be honored by people and to be valued by my family. If my, you know, whole educational process and the brainwashes the kids that, well, when you make it to being a university professor, then you'll be somebody. The only thing that's going to drop that one out of sight is going to be canceling the need to be somebody. And so there are a whole series probably of peripheral goals, which is why 2,000 years ago when they said to Yeshua, how many times do we need to do this canceling goals things? Is seven enough? In Aramaic, Yeshua said, no, 77 times 70. And so start looking around at all the things that being a teacher meant to you. All the things it was going to do for you. Gee, it might be financial security. It might be uh, I'll have tenure, therefore I'll have a good retirement. I'll be taken care of for life. So I'd cancel my need to be taken care of for life. It might be, you know, when I was going through school, uh, I, I somehow acquired the belief that, you know, teachers were the most admirable people in the world, so I'm going to be one of those most admirable people in the world. I'm going to cancel my need to be one of the most admirable people in the world. You know, there can be a whole series of collateral goals. And that's why Yeshua said 77 times 70. So start looking at the collateral issues that go along with, you know, what was being a university professor going to do for you? financial, relational, you know, maybe there was a a belief that, well, when I make it there, then the love of my life will show up because I'll be somebody and I'll be valuable. So I'd be canceling the need to be valuable to have the love of my life show up. And so, you know, what are all the things that means to you? And they'd be the places to go canceling goals. And it might be, you know, the circumstances in which, you came to uh, let go of your need to teach, and then when the opportunity came back to teach, it, it, it might tie in. There might be some other uh, collateral things that go hand-in-hand hand with that, things like um, just kind of breathing on where the, the the strongest energy is in relationship to this teacher thing, because it sounds like you've made a choice to go into writing as your profession, and now that the teaching thing has come back, now kind of a bugaboo. And so looking to, to tap into what else might be the collateral information, there, there might be some, some beliefs that, you know, Artists starve, and so writing is an art. 
and so maybe I'll starve. And so maybe there's a belief that would, you know, that would keep you, though you've decided to go in that direction, a belief that you'll end up a starving artist. So if you look at the goals there, to be financially secure. And, you know, so there, there are a number of different things. I hope that gives you a sense of it. Of course, only you can really tap into what the core things are. But that might uh, give you some ideas where to head with, uh, with the different facets of why this has become such a conflict for you. Okay, so she said, <clears throat> she said uh, so I'd start the worksheet by identifying a goal and entering it that way. And I replied, that's just one way to do it. You could also consider a mind shifter on something like, it's safe and healing for me to quit teaching, or it's safe and healing for me to make my living writing. And that might be the thing that stirs up some of these uh, hidden goals that you're talking about. And another mind shifter might be, it's safe and healing for me to be a broke writer and see if that stimulates anything, if any of it's got to do with beliefs about making money as a writer. So there are you know, many facets to... Uh... And she also said, ha-ha, someone, uh, her chiropractor talked to her this morning about being a starving artist. Ah, <laughs> So, so that would so create say that, conflicting. Say that mind shifter again, Michael. It's safe and healing, and I love being a broke writer. And of course, that doesn't mean that I'm choosing to be a broke writer. What it means is that if there's a part of my mind that says starving as an artist is the artist's way then I want to use this mind shifter to stimulate any beliefs in me that hold that I won't be able to be financially successful. And then as I clean those things out, then I'll just automatically create financial success out of writing. Become part of the process. And we're down to the last minute or so. And so if we can be of more support, maybe we could continue this conversation tomorrow. And other than that, uh, if you're ready to take your work to the next level, you can look at Heartland's intensive schedule for next summer. It's already posted on the website, whyagain.org. Just look under flyers in the upper right-hand corner. And or uh, we do have two intensives that are happening. Right? We're going to do a nine-day codependency interdependence communication intensive uh, starting February 1st in Orlando, Florida. So if you want to get away from winter and you're going to be up there in the frozen north in February, you might want to come and join us. That nine-day will actually stretch out into a 16-day. So people can do nine days or 10, 11, 12, all the way up to 16 days of codependence to interdependence communication practicum. And then we're going to take a day off. And then on the 18th of uh, See the 16th, 17th, yeah, the 18th of uh, February, we'll start a 16-day Laws of Living. So if you're ready to take your work to the next level, take a look at the website. The flyer's there. Come join us. We've got this awesome, beautiful, we're calling it uh, an intensive in the lap of luxury. We've got a beautiful 3,500-square-foot home we've rented in Orlando. And uh, we invite you to come and join us. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. <laughs>